We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. Episode 29 is one we will remember for a long time as we were joined by Kevin Serafin. He gave us some great insight on his one year there with the Indiana Pacers, playing with Lance, playing with Paul George, and what it was like to go up against LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and get swept, but only by a total of 16 points. That Pacers team was competitive in every one of those games, but they just couldn't pull it out. We talk about that and what Kevin's doing right now in the European League. was a really, really fun conversation with Kevin. Um, he's a great guy. He's hilarious and just a really good listen. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. But in addition to that, we launched a brand new website called PacersTalk.net. We hope you guys check that out. Myself, Tyler Smith, and Mike Focci will be writing articles throughout the season, throughout the offseason, covering this team. 365 days a year so hope you guys enjoy the website enjoy all of our old podcasts that we've had and just really get on board with pacerstalk.net in addition to that we want to thank our partners smoke and barrel barbecue here locally in indianapolis and indie sports legends who tyler writes for for partnering with us as we launch this website and going forward so thank you guys for that i'm gonna get out of the way now and let you guys listen to a great episode with the one and only kevin seraphim what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Setting the Pace. We're joined by former Indiana Pacer, one of the fan favorites, too, the one and only Kevin Serafin. Kevin, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, baby? What's up, what's up? Not much, not much. And we also got the uh, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, my man Mike Focci on the other line. Focci, how you doing, man? Always a pleasure to be here, but today is a special day because, like I mentioned, we're joined by Kevin. So, Kevin Serafin, you know, tell me, what is it like? Because this is, uh, you guys are in the midst of a, a playoff battle right now. Hold on, hold on. The I like the energy. I, like, I really like the energy. I really like the introduction. Oh, it, it, I like Fa- it. Fauci brings it, man. This guy don't play around right here. I tell you what, he, he, is, uh, he is a diehard Pacer fan. Oh man, Kevin, I had to, I had to bring it. We've been on your, your tail since January, trying to make it happen. So 
very excited to be here today. <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm really excited too. I told you, I told you, I, w- I will make it happen. It, ladies and gentlemen of setting the pace, he is a man of his word. He did tell me that. I, I knew I was in good hands, and uh, here we are today. Oh man! All right. Can, tell, tell me right now. You guys are in the midst of a playoff battle right now. I believe it's tied at two-two with yes. uh, Ephes. Is it? Ephes Mason. Mm-hmm. So I'm tell playing. I'm, so I'm currently. I'm explain for the people that don't know. I'm current. I was in. A, I was in with the Pacers. Then after the Pacers, I had like a team option, and they did not keep me. So I went and I signed to, to Barcelona. So I'm playing in Europe in Bas- in, in Spain. Where I currently play the Euroleague. So right now, yeah, I'm, I'm in the playoff for Euroleague, and uh, we have uh, it's best out of five, and it's two two right now. So yeah, we have the the fifth game is uh, after tomorrow, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that that's got to be pretty awesome right now. I believe it's uh, winner goes to the final four of the Euroleague. Yes, 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 definitely. So that's that's basically, especially Barcelona, haven't been. To the final four for like the last five, I think last five or six years. So it's definitely for us like it's really like a big goal. So and that's a pretty good team too, you know. I mean the series is tied. So now is we the last one too because everyone is qualified. CSK is qualified, Madrid and uh, Fenerbahce. So now that's the only we the only series left. So now basically it's pretty excited, but. That's to, we we basically we're ready. We're going there. We want to take the game. Love it. Well, what kind of number? What kind of numbers are you putting up right now? And uh, so I was I missed. I actually missed. So I, I missed the first part of the series because I had a twenty nine on in my knee. Oh, that's awful. Now, so now now I'm like good. I came back. I played. Well, I didn't play that much because that was my first game. He played, and the last game he played me twenty minutes, and I had, I had a pretty good game. It was like twelve. I had, what, 12 points, 5 rebounds? Yeah, 12 and 12 and, or 12 and 6. Yeah. yeah, get that extra rebound in there. Don't forget that one. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I was, so for sure. So, I've, been, I've been checking the box scores. Uh, you've been very efficient, Kevin. That's something that you always were, even dating back to your time in the NBA. I mean, with the Pacers, I think you're at like 55% field goal percentage. So we can always expect that out of you. It's, it's true that the offense, the offense was always, I mean, it's always, it was always never a problem for me. So I always like was lucky to be a big man with good hands. I wish when I was in the league, like I could have like you know like be more focused on the rebound on the defensive hand. But like basically on the offensive end, I, I, I never I never really had a problem, you know. But like defense is somewhere I need to be more focused, and I actually been doing pretty well in Barcelona. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think what all the listeners would love to hear is. Can you explain some of the differences in the style of play between EuroLeague ball and NBA? I mean, yeah, especially now the NBA is more like a fast pace now. Like now it's really up tempo. Like there's a lot of the train. Most of the NBA team when I'm watching is like that's why the score is so high now. When you watch all the games, sometimes it's score like like one thirty six to one forty two or like you know like I mean in yeah. the playoffs it's like it slowed down a little bit, but like the difference is. In the NBA, it's just now, especially now with the small balls, they're trying to run and just like trail and shoot the ball like in the first 10 seconds. And in EuroLeague, it's more like five against five. It's more like, you know, it's a, it's a different because, first of all, the guys are not athletic like in the league. People are not like beasts, you know, like it's not, right. it's not the same. 
And in in NBA, everybody's running, everybody's athletic. It's more like you cannot you cannot stay over like two second point nine in the paint, or (laughs) like here in your league, you can actually just sit in the paint and just wait for whoever you know. So it's really like it's just the game is just different here. And that's also why sometimes when you see guys, example like some the like in the last Olympic, some of the guys like some all star like was struggling to play in the Olympic because the the game is totally different. Everything is totally different. Yeah. Well, well, I want to ask you just about the differences. What what kind of style do you prefer? Do you like the up tempo NBA or do you kind of like being able to play a slower pace in the Euro League? I mean. In shape, <laughs> in shape, like yeah, like I like, I like, I like, I like both. To be honest, like I was, I was always like, I was always lucky to be like you know athletic, to be able to run, to be able to do many things. So for me, I kind of like, I'm actually one of the big that can play in both, you know. And that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing. I've been doing well here. I was doing quite good. I think in the NBA, I could do better, but like um, I like. But now the the league is the league. The NBA is the NBA. You can right. notice really. I will yeah. lie to say that I don't mean, you know, it's the NBA. The NBA is just the best league in the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah Kevin, while we're on the subject of the EuroLeague, uh, last year a player who played very well in the EuroLeague with Real Madrid was Luka Doncic. Luka. Did you have an opportunity to play against him yeah. last year? Yeah, yeah, last year I played against him like several times. Like, and, what- and he actually kicked ass every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna ask you. You know, you had to have been like this guy is NBA ready. You know, you know the thing is nobody knew, like, because you never know. Like nobody knew. I mean, he was eighteen, so right. he was so young. He was he was just killing here. Like he was like playing like he's been playing here for like you know he's been playing in the league for like thirty years, and you know like he's just like. Yeah, he's only 18 and he was killing and nobody a lot of people for me I said I, I, I actually say I thought he was going to kill but a lot of people was asking themselves the question like is he going can he can he reproduce the same thing in the NBA and he's actually doing way better yeah <laughs> he's killing it high. it's cause and it's, it's also cause in Europe the defense the defense is different like when even when you beat you guys in Europe most of the time you beat you guys, you still have four guys behind. <laughs> it's right. really, it's not that easy to get in the pen and just go and, you know, like in NBA sometimes you beat you guys, you have a straight line to the basket, you know, like, right. so it's, that's why, and he, he said, he, he said it himself. He said it's easier to score in NBA mm-hmm. than in Europe. Which sounded crazy because everyone's thinking like, is the NBA too easy? But from what you say, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, no, it's not, it's not easy, but for a guy, for me, like, he's, he's kind of like a mismatch. He's a big point guard. He's yeah. not, oh, yeah. he's not, he's not small. When I was watching a game and I was watching, I think it was the, the Rockets. Oh, yeah, he had a great he, game. Yeah, and he just, like, went over and, um, what's his name? Stoker? Tucker? Yeah. He just went. PJ Tucker. Give him, like, hit him with his shoulder. And he just throw him out of the way like he was nothing. <laughs> and I know that the guy is one of the strongest, you know, guards in the NBA. You know, and I was like, and and that's the that's and that's the key. The guy is like he's, he's like a mismatch. He's playing. He's, he's playing at the 
point guard position, but he's huge. He can shoot. He has a good dribble. He has skills, and he understands the game. His IQ is is above the average. So, of course, I mean, for me, I'm not surprised. You know, the guy, he's been killing us. I saw him kill us every time, always throwing like the half court, the free throw line from the other side, like and making crazy shots, trick shots. So, I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, I got to ask you, I mean, obviously there's some, been some European players that have come over throughout the years. Obviously, Dirk Nowitzki's retiring this year, uh, Manu Ginobili last year. But uh, with Luka coming into the league, who is the next big European player that the NBA should be keeping an eye out for? The next big one? The next the next star from the European League that can be coming over to the NBA, possibly. I mean, like Luka? Yeah, or well, maybe not that high, but maybe somebody yeah, that's. I don't, I don't think because it's kind of unique. It's like Kristaps, but uh, yeah, that's true, Kristaps. This is, I don't know all of them to be honest because I don't follow all of them. I heard a few names and I know these these two guys. There's one in Olympiakos. Um, what is his name again? There's one in Olympiakos, and I heard this one. In, he's like 17 years old, and he's like actually he's playing with a pro in Grand Canaria, but. Uh, I don't know, because the thing is, you never know. Like, it's like Kristaps. Kristaps wasn't, in Europe, in Seville, he wasn't amazing, you know? Yeah. And I, and I was the witness of this, his first year. And he went to New York, and he was totally a different player. He was actually special. <laughs> he just became So that's the thing. You never know. Like, we have this. There's a lot of talents here. There's a lot of players there's a lot of guys. I don't know who now is interesting to go in the NBA right now. But you you also have some some really good player, like a player I heard maybe a player like Meli. I don't know if you know Meli from Fenerbahce. He might go to the, he might try his chance to NBA. So there's many there's different guys that might try and they're actually good players. Mm-hmm. So Kevin, what was that adjustment like coming over from? Uh, you're from France, and that's where you were playing ball up until what age eighteen. Is that was, correct, or 19? Was, uh, yeah, France until, yeah, 18, 19. What was that adjustment like when you're coming over and you joined the Washington Wizards? Uh, at age around 21, I think you were, something like that. You know, what's the change like? I mean, there's different. There's a lot of, there's a lot of change. Like, going from France to the, to the NBA is like, for me, especially me, I wasn't speaking. My English wasn't. I was I wasn't speaking English, so first of all, that was the first thing. So I had to come and learn English. Um, that just so just this first of all is a big change. When you go to a language, when you go to a different country and everyone is speaking around you and you don't really understand what they're saying, it's like you going to China. You be like, uh, what the hell is going on here? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able you know? to make it. I, exactly. I don't know any of the language, so I hear you. <laughs> And that's the thing, you know, like, that's the thing. Because, like, example, a guy like uh, Christoph, a guy like Luca, they were, the English was actually pretty good already. Like me, I was speaking no English, so I had to learn English. And after that, I had to adapt myself. Because when I got to the league, I was only playing basketball for, like, six years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, started, I actually stopped late. I, I stopped playing basketball when I was 14. Well, we so, do – go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I know a lot of a lot of Pacer fans want to uh, hear about your time here with the Pacers for that one season. And um, you mentioned you're from France, uh, Jan Mahimi as well. Uh, how close were you and Jan? Me, I mean, we, we were. I mean, we've been close, you know. 
Yeah. Like when before before actually the first time I went to uh, to America it was 2008. That was the year before I played the nightclub summit, and uh, we went to Texas, and I actually went to San Antonio. And Yan, I was at I was staying at Yan House, so that's that's oh, how cool. that's, that's so we were it was really cool, you know. We had a chance to see his game. We we saw the organization of the Spurs, and uh, so since that we always had like. We were already cool, you know, he always gave me advice and everything. And after that, I made it to the league. And Yann was actually, Yann is actually really, really good dude. I'm not surprised for for what is going on with him, you know, the way, like, he's been playing, he signed his contract, because he's a really, really good person, like, and also a true professional. Yeah, I know for the sure. Pacers. I know the Pacers wanted to bring him back. If the price was right, they probably thought that the Wizards paid him more than they wanted to. But one thing that we loved about Jan Mahimi was just his fashion. Did he uh, did he give you any tips on wh- uh, what kind of fashion to to pull out in the in the U.S. Because he always rocking them cool suits. So, shop mm, dress man. I, I gave he did not. He, when I when I got first, of course, I was asking questions. Uh, I was asking a few questions after, but honestly, I learned, I just learned being, especially when I got to the Wizards, that this year we were terrible. <laughs> and everything was actually really complicated over there, so I was just learning, you know, and just being there, learning, trying to get, to process everything. The first year was really hard for me. It was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Well, the the first time you, when you came to the NBA, that was pretty much the first time you were going to America, right? When you first came over? In twenty one, uh, when you were twenty one, I, I went. I went before because I played the Nike Summit. Yeah. Ah, uh, gotcha. So and I played and I went the year before. So that was like the third time. So. So, I got a quick question about your time with the Pacers. Now, you were part of that Pacers team that was eliminated by Cleveland in what's known as the closest sweep of all time, just sixteen points. The majority of that team was not brought back the following season. But could you take us through the vibe of that locker room following that first round exit? Like, what was that like? I mean, we, it was, it's complicated, you know, because you play Cleveland, you know, the, LeBron was actually, was actually really good. And it was, I mean, everyone was motivated, you know, we were still trying to, you're still trying, when you, when you reach the point to, okay, you're like 3-0, you know, but you know, it's really hard to, yeah. Come back from that. You is now at this point. We're just trying to get at least one win for the fans. You know, you're just trying to get something. But that team was actually, I mean, really, really, really good. Yeah. But it was it was worth it. But I feel like the the atmosphere was was good. We had the guys like Lance. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody Lance. knows about Lance. <laughs> we had PG. We had PG yeah. that was trying to keep everyone together. You know, because. I was trying to, but it's not the same because, like, it's actually the team. You know, the way they are, like, for Len just came back. He was there. He was forever with that team. Like, PG been there forever, seven years, I think. So, yeah, it was, yeah. the, you know, like, they were, like, the boss. So, they were trying to keep everyone together. And uh, they were just being leaders. And I think the atmosphere was pretty, pretty good. And we know everyone, there was... We were disappointed, but at the same time, four zero is not like you had a chance to do some, anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to ask about Paul George because that was his last year as an Indiana Pacer, and there was stuff going on up to the trade deadline, even past that, if Paul George 
was going to re-sign in Indiana once he was up for a contract extension. So uh, Paul's a very vocal person in his interviews with the media and stuff like that. So as a as a teammate and as a guy in the locker room, did you did you get the sense that Paul might be leaving after the season was over or request a trade, or did he ever make that a uh, Honestly, anything in the locker room? No. His vibes, nothing was like um, – Nothing was like the only time I noticed something to if I'm completely honest is like when the first rumor came out that they were trying to trade him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I think that hurt him. Yeah. That makes sense. Because I don't think I, I don't think before that he wanted to leave. Oh, that's interesting. Something that I noticed and I'm not surprised that he actually wanted to stay in OKC. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that one time he told me, I told him like, I told him like, oh yeah, but you from LA, you know, it'd be good for you or whatever, you know, to go back home or whatever and everything. And he keep telling me that like, he keep talking like, telling me like, yeah, but when you live in big city, your focus is not the same. And I don't think that he actually like to live in big market, big cities, you know, like he wants to be in a city where he can actually keep his focus on basketball because he actually loves basketball, you know? Yeah. And yeah. he was talking. When I saw that he actually stayed in OKC, I wasn't surprised at all. Oh, wow, because I was. I was completely shocked. Me, I, was I wasn't. pretty shocked, too. I'm like, I keep, I'm like, the dude that actually don't, he like enjoy, of course, he enjoy being in big cities like LA, but I don't think that he wants to live during the season, you know? He actually loved being in, in general, you know? He loved being, like, in OKC, you know? Yeah. He's doing his simple things. He's a really simple person. Honestly, I really, I really appreciate when I got there from the gym. He took me under his wings and honestly, like, make me feel like I was at home. You know, like he always cool and cool. me to his house. We was kicking it. Honestly, I was really like, for me, Paul make my year. He made my year in, in general easier. You wow. know, wow, that's so, cool because he's got the reputation of not being a good leader, and so that's just kind of. Uh, I guess you could say a narrative the media tried to drive, but you're telling us from the inside he was a great leader. I do not agree. I don't think that he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not a bad. He's not a bad leader. The problem is that he's real. Yeah. So yeah. if something happened in the locker room, if something you played, because sometimes it happened that he told me a few things, but after with the time you realize that all he wants is win, and he will not. Compare it to other guys that will not tell you. Example, if you play with other, somebody and like the notice that, okay, you're not doing the right thing on the court that, you know, that we're supposed to do, you're not doing with the game plan. Most of the guys will not say anything to you, mm-hmm. you know? So we just keep going. So might talk to other teammates and say, oh, you see, did not do this, did not do this, but they will never tell you anything. Yeah. And Paul will actually come to tell you. One time he came to the locker room and he said, listen, it's not the way we do things here. And, I respect it, and I respect that. I was like, he was talking to Jeff, to to Jeff, like out oh, to Jeff. I'm like to to Jeff. He was also a, a leader of the team, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I told him this is not the way we do things here. Mm-hmm. And I was actually shocked because I was like, oh, true. What's what's going on now? You know? <laughs> and so, but he wasn't he wasn't trying to be. He just told him like, listen, this is. I know you're from here. I know you're from Indiana or whatever, but we have a culture here. We've been, we win before and everything, and this is not the way we do things here. Wow. And actually, that, after that, Jeff stepped up his game and was playing even better, you know? 
At the time, it did attack it, but obviously, and that's the thing. I think that's that's why people sometimes say, "Oh, he's maybe not a good leader because he will tell you the things." And sometimes he's not, he's not. You you don't appreciate. You like, oh, he sounds like because people don't really tell you the truth. Yeah. So when somebody just throw you the the truth in your face, you're like, oh, he's just he's just being a hassle. But he's not a hassle. He's just telling you the truth, and he's actually. That time, after that, just starting to play very good. Now, Kevin, who did I get like a 30-second pitch to players in the EuroLeague from you about what it's like playing in Indiana and why it would be appealing? Like, what are some of the great things from your time there that you would love to tell these guys if they're ever going to have an opportunity to maybe I'm, join the Pacers? I mean, to be honest, like, when I, when I arrived to the Pacers, I really liked the vibe. So that was I, was, I was in New York. I was mm-hmm. in New York the year before, and... I never, I like New York a lot, but I never felt in a team, I never felt like, like I was home, you know? You never, you feel, as a new player, you want to come in a team and feel like you're part of the group, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, when I arrived, I was really happy because I, I had this, in. I was in Washington for five years and yep. I actually saw everyone, me and John were the oldest players and I saw from Bradbill to Nene to all that generation to Paul Pierce, everyone came and leave, you know? Yeah. So I was really feeling at home. And after that, you live like a big market, a team like New York. And, and you feel like we, you have a team, like you have a team where all the dudes is like forced to be together. Like you, <laughs> it's like, you, that's how I felt. I was like, nobody, I feel like nobody wants to be with each other, you know? Yeah. That's, that's thanks. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I arrived to Indy, and you feel like the family, like there's a family thing going on. Like, you know, like you feel like the vibes, like that's actually a really group. That's a group. Guys will do stuff. You go on the road, and guys will text you and say, oh, you want to go do this? You want to go do that? We're going to the movie. You want to come with us? And, you know, and at the end, especially when my man, Lance Stephenson, arrived, was that was... (laughs) It was just the cherry that was missing, you know? And oh, that was, yeah. That was perfect, you know? Okay. After that, oh, yeah. After that, in terms of, in, in term of city, city, it's kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was doing, because I was living in Washington and New York. So yep. when I arrived from the city, like, to come to Indy, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's like boring, but at the end of the day, you have to, you're here because you have to make, it's your job. You have to be here and you have to... But I, like, I honestly like the team. I did not... The city was okay. It was nothing. It was cool. I like the fans and everything. But the city, I was most of the time I was at home. I was The good thing is like, it's not really expensive. The rent, nothing is really expensive over there. So it's actually oh, yeah. a good You know, I'm from New York and I currently live in D.C. So I'm just a little bit less talented at basketball. But other than that, I'm just like you, you know? So... Yeah. I think of myself as kind of like a less talented Kevin Serafin, you know. But at least you know that I'm not lying right now. You know that you yeah, know you. Oh, it's true. Yeah, I, was well, I was I was gonna say we don't really like to call Indiana boring. We like to call it peaceful. You know, there's there's another word for it. So it's not so like upsetting <laughs> to fans. It's <laughs> my lack of vocabulary. You know, English. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. I just wanted to correct you on that, so you know what. Now we're not a boring state. We're just a peaceful state. You know, I like to keep the peace out there. But uh, my last question for you kind of hit on it a little bit, talking about Lance. 
everybody loves Lance here. Number one, were you shocked that the Pacers did not pick up his team option for this season? And with that being said, they went out and got Tyreek Evans too. I wasn't, but they paid I wasn't, $8 million more for, for Tyreek Evans for one year. I wasn't shocked, but you have to understand. We, we knew a lot of us, a lot of us knew that once, once I saw in the morning, I woke up, I remember that I uh, woke up and I was eating my breakfast and everything. And I saw the Larry Bird step down and basically left the pictures. You, when he's the one that recruit that recruited me and that technically signed me, yeah. you know at this point that a lot of things are going to change. Yeah. And so I wasn't, He's the he's the one he's the one that bring he's the one that bring Lance, Lance back. So mm-hmm. all this, you know, I'm not all those moves. It's not that you know that things going to start changing. That's how it is, you know. Like that's how when you have a new a new person in charge and everything, and it's like for sure, you know, things. So I, I wasn't surprised, but I think I really like me. I really like the person of Lance. I was one of the guys. I feel like. Paul keeps saying that we both different, so that's why we get along. But like, <laughs> I really like him because I feel like he's the he's a person. It's a person that like people don't understand, you know. And I feel like in basketball, like if you're not as as a coach, you should be able to understand players. Like me, like I met the, when I was in New York, and I had the person like Phil Jackson. Yeah, and he was, the way he was talking to me, and he was explaining me things. And he really explained me that he basically is like you one of the different players because like the way you are, like the way you are going, the way you are, like sometimes people don't understand that. And so that's why sometimes people can confuse that and saying that you're not professional when you are. It's just that you're different, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was explaining me the case of Dennis, um, Dennis Rodman. And he was explaining oh, yeah. me that it was really different. You know, he was like... Dennis will not. Dennis will not go outside before the game and warm up. He will not do that, like like most of the <laughs> players. But you know, for another team, he can look like, oh, Dennis is not professional. Yeah. No, because yeah. he has his own routine. Instead, instead of going outside and shooting and whatever, like all the players do, he will stay inside and do like forty-five minutes of cardio on the, on the bike and just. Because basically, when we know Dennis Rodman, that's what he was doing. He had the motor, he was getting all those ribbons, mm-hmm. and to have an amazing cardio. So he was doing oh, yeah. different things, and he was a different player. And even when he brought him to the, to the before he signed him, he went to meet with the team and tell them, listen, I'm going to bring someone here, <laughs> and he's not like us. He's not like you guys. So just, <laughs> I want you guys to understand this, you know, and he was actually... And I feel like, and he, he was, he told me that, he told me that many people will not understand. So you really have some time to play your role and play, even if sometimes it's difficult for you, but you have to be yourself. Sometimes people will not understand it. And that's the, that's what I feel like happening with Lance. That's why he left. He went to so many different teams and people could not understand him. And then came back to Indy and he started performing like, you know, he never left. Because the dude is actually really talented. He's a really oh, good. Yeah. He loves basketball, you know. He's a hard but worker. He's, he's a hard worker, but he's just like never people cannot because the way he is. Like he's always – and he's also crazy. He's also, he, we, we, yeah. Are, yeah. We, <laughs> I know you're watching Laker games playing the guitar at home. 
Exactly. You know, you have to say it. But at the, at the, at the end of the day, he's a different player. Now, when I saw the Lakers sign him and I, I saw, I, I kind of understood what they were trying to do. You know, they were really trying to get some different guys to go after, you know. I mean, we know it did not work like it was supposed to be. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of see what they were trying to do, you know, like, and Lance is someone that I really like, and I think that he's, a, yeah. he's actually a really, really good player. When you know every, him... Every team needs one Lance Stevenson. I, I believe I, that. I think so. I think so. I, you, need, you, need, you need this kind of player. You just need to find a way to control them. When you mm-hmm. find a way to control them and, like, you find a way to have, have to use them and how, you know, to turn his, his craziness like and turn it to a good energy for the group, I feel like you can get something. And every team needs that. Yeah. Last well, question for yeah, me. Yeah, which, which legend was cooler to be around, Phil Jackson or Larry Bird? Both. Both? <laughs> Honestly, honestly, it's really hard for me to pick because, and I'm not trying. I'm not saying this because you guys, uh, Pacers fan or anything. I'm actually being honest. Like Larry, Larry, when Larry recruited me, he invited me. Yeah, but um, yeah, He invited me. He invited me to the. Um, so I I came during the summer to see, and Larry, sit down with me, and he told me, hmm. You're not here, like you're not here, like to. I already know what you can do. I just wanted to talk to you face to face, and he told me like, <laughs> and he asked me like, he asked me about my story. He asked me what happened to the Washington with the Washington Wizards. He told me that he thought that I was going to be a big time player in the league, and he saw me a little bit like slowly fade, and he was trying to understand what was going on, you know why, you know, and he asked me and. Phil Jackson was actually also the same. And Phil doesn't talk much. And the book was like really like interesting with me and like talking to me and always like trying to. Phil Jackson was always calling me Mr. Skills. And Larry was always, Larry, I was, you know, he texted me for my birthday, he texted me. And I was really like, nice. I was really like, wow, I did not have his number before. So I was like, <laughs> at first I was like, Who's, who's this, you know? <laughs> then he know that he did not have his number, so he just signed, you know, he sent Larry Bird, you know? And I was like, oh, and I thought that was really cool, you know? So I don't That's know. Awesome. I don't know which one is my favorite because both of them was really nice to me. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. And so as we wrap this up, just my last question for you. Um, are we going to be seeing an NBA return soon? Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I depend- so. no, I'm not... I'm trying to be honest, like now with the year, I'm like, I'm 29 now. And I'm, this year I'm telling myself, like, every time I'm trying to play in something, every time I'm, I end up being disappointed, you know? Yeah. Like, I was with the Wizards. Um, I was, I thought I was going to have, you know, extension, stay with them. I end up going to New York, you know? New York had the bad season, so I kind of knew how it would go. Then in the year, I was expected to come back for my second year, and I did not. You know, my team option did not get picked up. So, and I was disappointed because I, I liked it. I wanted to stay there. And um, so now I'm telling myself, honestly, I'm not. Now I'm like, I'm about to be fragrant this summer. I'm not putting myself any pressure or anything. I just, I just, I just need to finish the season healthy, keep working. Hopefully, like, 
try to be try to do my best so the team can go to the final four. And after that, we will see when at the end of the season, once everything is finished, and we win a title, we don't. I don't know what what will happen. Like then, I will sit and I will start seeing my option. And if I have a chance to come back in NBA, why not? You know, it's not. I, I don't close the door to anybody. Yeah, I like it, hey, Kevin. You're gonna win that title. I got a good feeling about it. I'm yeah. telling you. Thanks. That's the kind of energy that I need. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I like energy, and that's really uh, right energy. Yeah, I'll did. bring it all day. So you you bring it on the court this week, and uh, hey. Mr. Skills, it was great talking to you today. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate that. Alrighty, everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace. You can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. And make sure you once again check out our website, PacersTalk.net. Until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com